Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Hey, welcome to the special edition of the Pursuit Podcast. I'm Chris Vaught, your host, and I'm so grateful that you've tuned in. Each time we come together on the podcast, we have one go, and that is to pursue the truths of God into our daily lives. And on this special episode, we have a wonderful guest with us. His name is David Brickner, and he is the CEO of Jews for Jesus. I'm so excited that he's going to join us, and I want you to, uh, us to welcome him now. So, David, come on in. I'm so excited you're here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the great work God's doing there with Jews for Jesus. Well, uh, thank you, Chris, and shalom to you and shalom to all who are listening. It's really wonderful to be here with you. For those of you who don't know, shalom is a Hebrew word. It means peace. It also means hello. It also means goodbye. Some people take that to mean that we Jewish people don't know whether we're coming or whether we're going, but it is in the shalom of God, the peace that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ, that I greet you in this holy season. So it's great to be with you. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Well, David, you said shalom. And for so many, uh, that is a, a word that carries a lot of beauty and power. But for uh, non-Jews, we may not understand the full depth of that word. And, and it's really more than just hello and goodbye, isn't it? Uh, tell us, dive into that word just a little bit about the true shalom that God is wanting all of us to experience. Yes, shalom, the peace uh, is the, the word that the Bible uses to talk about peace. But peace, not as an absence of strife but rather the presence of God is a wholeness that is involved in experiencing the shalom of God. I remember once I was talking to a lady on the street and, and I said, what do you think is the greatest need that we have in the world today? And she said, we need peace. And I mm. said, that's a great answer. What do you think that means? And she said, no more war. And I said, so then peace to you means the absence of strife, right? And she said, that's right. No more war. I said, well, in the Bible, peace is actually the presence of God in our lives. All of us are separated from God because of our sin, but he wants to bring about that wholeness, that mm. reconciliation that only comes through Jesus, who the Bible tells us is the Prince of Peace. Now, how would you like that kind of peace? So that's the kind of message, that good news that we have to share. I mean, you know, what, what do the angels say? Uh, when the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, they said, peace on earth, right? goodwill uh, to men, uh, to, to the earth, to those, because Jesus had come, the Prince of Peace, born in a manger. And so we're yeah. celebrating that shalom even now as we celebrate his birth. Yeah, what a wonderful truth. What a wonderful truth. It's not the absence of strife. It's the invitation of the presence of of God in our lives. I love that. That's a great definition. And, you know, I think about what the angel said that night and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And when you live in a world that's got, that's so full of darkness and pain and sorrow, those who may be questioning faith or skeptical of faith can look at the angel's declaration and, and throw their hands up in the air and say, okay, where is this peace on earth? But in reality, often our perspective of the type of peace or the shalom that God is wanting us to have gets gets off track, doesn't it? That's we're, right. we're looking at end of wars and we're looking at, you know, politicians being able to get along and the culture wars to to end. But that's that's not exactly what the angels were referring to. Right. You know, it's uh, people think of peace as, you know, a feeling. But you can have peace in the darkest of times. Yeah, uh, you, you can be in the midst of a storm on the roiling waters uh, where everything's being tossed about like a storm. And 
you can still have peace. You know, that's what Jesus spoke when he woke in the boat and the disciples were thinking they were going to go down with the ship. And he said, peace, be still. Mm. And so he can speak that peace over the roiling waters of our lives. So no matter what circumstance you're going through, what difficulty, what upheaval in your life, when Jesus speaks, peace, be still, he's yeah. the only one that can make that happen. And it begins in the heart and goes outward into our lives. So if you're feeling that absence of peace, it's not because of the presence of the conflict. It's because you need the presence of the Savior more than ever in your life. Pray for that, and he'll say, peace be still over you. Oh, what a wonderful truth. Absolutely. What a wonderful truth. And that's that needs to become our prayer, not only on our own lives, but in the lives of everyone in our community and over this world that we live in today, that the presence of God can bring his peace, his shalom, Amen. and reconcile their hearts. Wonderful. And I know that's the passion for Jews for Jesus, correct? Absolutely. You know, uh, when people hear that name, Jews for Jesus, sometimes they think, well, that's a contradiction in terms. That's like saying... <laughs> vegetarians for bacon or something. But uh, if you think about it, Jesus himself was Jewish. The disciples, right. Peter, John, and James, they were all Jews. All the writers of the New Testament, with the possible exception of Luke, were Jewish. And we know that Luke was a doctor, so who knows, you know? Right. Back in the beginning, believing in Jesus was a very Jewish thing to do. And yes. as a matter of fact, when the first Gentile wanted to believe in him, oh, evaded, we have problems. Never before had a Gentile wanted to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob without first becoming a, a proselyte or a convert mm. to Judaism. Mm. And so in the book of Acts, when Cornelius wanted to believe in our Jewish Messiah, this was something completely different. You might remember God had to give the apostle Peter three visions before he finally got up enough chutzpah, enough nerve to go to the house of Cornelius. And he preached the gospel and the whole family got saved. That's which right. was great. But then remember, Peter had another problem on his hands. He had to go back to his fellow apostles in Jerusalem and explain to them what he yeah. had done. And there was such an uproar over this thing. We actually had to hold the first church council. Resolve <laughs> the burning question. What do we do with Gentiles for Jesus? Yeah, Thankfully, that's right. he told us it was a good thing. It was what his plan was to bring <laughs> Jews and Gentiles together. And so we got so excited when we figured that out. We sent out our best missionaries, you know, Paul and Simon right. and Barnabas. And well, I think they did a pretty terrific job, don't you, Chris? I think so. I, I can tell you, I, I am one of the benefactors of that great work they did. Amen. So thankful. Amen. So Jews for Jesus, uh, really, we like we have a little plaque on the cornerstone of our headquarters here in San Francisco. It says Jews for Jesus established 32 A.D., give or take a year. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. But of course, you know, the uh, the ministry of Jews for Jesus actually began out of a movement of the Holy Spirit of God here in North America back in the late 60s and early 70s. There was what Time Magazine dubbed the Jesus Revolution. A lot right. of young people, uh, you know, it was the height of the Vietnam War. There was a yes. lot of social uh, discord. Uh, and and uh, in the midst of that, God began to work and bring a ton of young people to Christ. And many of them were Jewish. Amen. And so really Jews for Jesus was a movement before it was an organization. And uh, that movement, of course, going all the way back to the first century, has become even more extensive since our ministry was founded, which is was actually officially September of 1973. We're getting ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary. It's hard to believe. Wow. But uh, since that early uh, beginning for Jews for Jesus uh, here in Northern California, we have become the largest evangelistic ministry to Jewish people in the world today. We're in 13 different countries around the world. Yeah. And our largest ministry, of course, is in the place where there are more Jews than anywhere else in the world. And that's in the land of Israel. Amen. We have over 50 full-time missionaries serving the Lord in Israel and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem primarily. And uh, it's very exciting to be alive in a day when God is at work among the Jewish people in a way that we haven't yeah. seen since those first Jews for Jesus, Peter, James, and John were out preaching the gospel. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. 
so thankful for what God is doing there with Jews for Jesus and I can't, and the impact you're making on the kingdom. Now, um, what about you and your family? I know you're, you're just, you're coming out of the Hanukkah season. You're getting ready to come into Christmas week. And so tell us just a little bit about the Hanukkah celebrations and Christmas celebrations in the house of the, of the Brickners. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your family. Well, we get the best of both worlds, Chris. We're celebrating Hanukkah and we're celebrating Christmas. After all, uh, Christmas is a Jewish holiday. At least it should be. It's the celebration of the birth of the greatest Jew that ever lived. Yes. And Hanukkah is a, uh, it, it's a, the only place in the whole Bible that you're going to find a mention of Hanukkah, not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament in John chapter 10, when Jesus actually celebrates it, it says in John 10 verse 22, and then the feast of dedication had come and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon, which is exactly where you want to be in first century Jerusalem to celebrate Hanukkah. So mm. we can get into that. I, I think that without Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. Oh. And that's a really important thing for Christians to understand. The Jewish background of Hanukkah really provides the format to understand the significance of what it meant when those angels said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, because that was the fulfillment of all the hope and all the promise of all the prophets who'd gone before. And if Hanukkah hadn't happened, those promises would have never been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, now you've intrigued us. Now, go a little deeper. Talk right. just a little bit about that. That's a strong statement. If there had not been a Hanukkah, we might not have a Christmas. Yep. So, so tie it together for us. This is, this is wonderful. Well, when God wanted to bring about salvation, he chose a man, a man by the name of Abram. And in Genesis 12, verse 3, Abram was living in Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq. And he said, get up from the land you're living, go to the land I'll show you, and I'll make your name great, personal promise. I'll make you a great nation national promise, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, a universal promise. And God has throughout history been working to fulfill that promise he made back in Genesis 12. And that national part was that God pro provided through Abraham's descendants a people known as the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And that was the vehicle through which the promises would be made and kept and ultimately fulfilled in the greatest Jew, Abraham's greater son, Jesus, the Messiah. Now, there is a cosmic conflict that's going on in the world. And yeah. Satan, the adversary, that's exactly what Satan means. It's a Hebrew word that means the adversary. Uh, Satan has been throughout history trying to make God a liar. If he could destroy the Jewish people, he would demonstrate that God doesn't keep his promises. Mm. And so history is marked by people like Pharaoh or right. Haman. Mm. Uh, or in the case of Hanukkah, another person, an evil person who tried to wipe out the Jewish people and so undermine the promises of God. This person was named Antiochus. Antiochus was a Syrian king. He was one of the recipients of the land that was conquered by Alexander the Great. The Alexander's territory was broken up into four parts, and one of the parts was, was called the Seleucid uh, uh, part of the world, and Seleucid or Syrian uh, rule uh, was imposed upon the Jewish people by Antiochus. Now, Antiochus took to himself a title called Epiphanes, which mm. in the Greek means God manifested. So he wow. claimed to be God, and uh, Jewish people didn't believe that. They called him Epimenes, which in the Greek means crazy in the head. And so <laughs> there was this kind of a tension as he decided that these Jews were not going to accept his claim. He was going to force it on them. So with a mighty army, the Syrians swept down from the north and conquered the Jewish people, captured the city of Jerusalem, 
and the temple which stood there to honor the God of Israel. He defiled the temple by setting up uh, statues to the Greek pantheon of gods, to Zeus and the others. Mm. He sacrificed a pig on the altar, Mm. the holy Mm. altar, an unclean animal defiling the altar. And he extinguished the sacred menorah, the seven branch candelabra that burned as an evidence of the eternal presence of God. He extinguished those things. He forbade the Jewish people to keep the the Torah, to worship the God of Israel. And Mm. so if he had had his way, Chris, the Jewish people would have ceased to exist as a unique people on the face of the earth. And if that had happened, the fulfillment of the promises of the Messiah, who was to come forth from the Jewish people, could not have been fulfilled. And so if Hanukkah had not happened, Antiochus would have had his way, there would be no Jewish people on the face of the earth today. So what happened? 165 B.C., a family, you know, and it always starts with the family. God gave yeah. the family unit because that was the unit by which he was going to complete his plan. The, the family is so important today, isn't it? Yeah. It's under attack. Yeah. That's but a there good was word. A family, a family named the Maccabees, and they decided enough is enough, and they refused to bow to the Greek gods and goddesses, and they began a, to fight back. First, like a guerrilla warfare. They, they, they fled from their town, Modi'in, which is just outside of Jerusalem, into the hills. And they called together as many as could come to help fight against the Syrians. And the story of Hanukkah is that though vastly outnumbered, a tremendously unlikely outcome occurred. And that is that the Maccabees were able to drive out the Syrians, to drive them from the temple, from Jerusalem, from Israel and to recapture. And so actually Hanukkah, that word means dedication. And what the Jewish people did with the Maccabees was to rededicate the temple. And there's some amazing stories about what happened with that rededication. First of all, when they entered into the temple, of course, they cleared out all the altars, all of the statues to the gods and goddesses, But that menorah, that seven-branch candelabra Hmm. was extinguished. There was no light Hmm. in the holy place. And so they wanted to, of course, rekindle it in their efforts to rededicate the temple. But there was only enough oil to last for one day. It would take seven more days to make and sanctify oil for use in the holy place in the temple. Hmm. So the first dilemma that the Jewish leadership faced was, should we light the menorah or should we wait eight days until there is enough fresh oil? They decided to go ahead and light it. And according Mm -hmm. to the tradition of of Hanukkah, that oil only enough to last for one day lasted for eight whole days, enough time for fresh oil to be made. That is why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days, and that is why it is called the Festival of Light. And we not only light the candelabra, actually we make uh, potato latkes and donuts. We have fried foods, anything that's fried (laughs) with oil, maybe that's what we're eating at Hanukkah. (laughs) And uh, so we celebrate this miracle. We say to one another, Nes Gadol Hayasham, surely a great miracle happened there, and we light the sacred candelabra to remind us of God's victory. Now, there's another thing that I told you about that had to be uh, dealt with that created a dilemma for the Jewish people at Hanukkah, and that was the altar. Remember I mentioned that there was a pig that was sacrificed on the altar. Well, that pig blood soaked down into the porous stone of the of the altar. And, and and so what what should they do? Well, they knew they had to build a new altar, right? But then the question and the dilemma, the second dilemma of Hanukkah was, well, what do we do with the old one? Should we just take it and throw it out like in the Valley of Hinnom, the Gehenna Valley where all the garbage and trash went, where uh, Canaanites used to offer their children to Moloch, to the Canaanite gods? 
as a sacrifice? Should we just throw it out there? No, we can't do that. So there was a debate. And finally, what they decided to do was to uh, dismantle that altar piece by piece and take the stones and put them in Solomon's portico there in the temple. And the, the, the statement was made, when the Messiah comes, he'll show us what to do with the stones. Now, if you look at John chapter 10, we find Jesus in the temple at Hanukkah, and yeah. he made an incredible claim, didn't he? Yeah. He said, I and the Father are one. And yeah. they took up stones yeah. to stone him. Right. Uh, Chris, I don't know where you guys keep your stones in the sanctuary <laughs> there but uh, to stone heretics. But, you know, this was the Solomon's portico. This was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple. And their pile of stones was the very stones from the menorah at Hanukkah in 165. When the Messiah comes, he'll show us what to do with the stones. Well, uh, absolutely, Jesus came to die, not by stoning, but, but on a cross. But right. every year when we think about this, I think about that, you know, Jewish people in Solomon's portico could, knelt down to pick up a stone. And today, I as a Jew kneel down to worship him. Mm. is the mm. Messiah. He is the light mm. of the world. He yeah. is the fulfillment of all the hope and promise of the prophets. And Amen. he is the one who made Hanukkah into a Christmas miracle. He is God with us. Yes. Amen. Amen. So uh, I, lo I love some of, the, some of the keys that you just shared. It, it started with a family. The beauty, the power, God always works through a family. Yes. In the family unit. And, you know, at this time of the year, we gather our families together and it's a time of celebration, right? But understanding the power of that family and then that eternal presence of God, what that menorah stood for, that that light, the eternal presence of God. And as you were talking, I was I was uh, reminiscing back over this sermon series we're finishing up here at Connection Point Church uh, throughout Christmas, where we actually uh, did a series entitled Light. And when we were looking at Hanukkah and the, those years under uh, the the dictatorship, like that you were mentioning a few months ago, yeah. from, per, from the Persians to Alexander the Great to um, uh, Antiochus, and you think about how dark life seemed for the Jewish people. And yet when that candle was lit, even in the darkest times, that light reminded them that God's presence was there. Absolutely. Uh, no wonder they felt such power, passion to go ahead and light that candle. And then when God allowed the candle to stay lit, even though the day's oil was used up, what a message of hope that must have birthed inside their hearts and and also a message of the uh preservation power of our god right yeah well let me tell you that um today when we light the hanukkah which is the representation of the menorah from the temple it's not that seven branched menorah that uh was so uh you know much a part of the worship in the temple it's the hanukkah which actually has nine branches and so we have eight candles that represent the eight nights. Okay. But then the ninth candle is raised up above the others uh, across the, the spectrum of the menorah. And it's called the shamash. Shamash is the Hebrew word for servant. And so when mm. we light the candles, what we do is we light the shamash. We say the blessings over the candle. We light the shamash and then we use that shamash to light all the other candles each of the nights so that by the, the eighth night of Hanukkah, all nine candles are burning on the Hanukkah. And that shamash, that servant, speaks of the fulfillment of a prophecy that Isaiah gave in Isaiah 49 and verse 6, where God, speaking to the Messiah himself in predicting his coming, says, it is too little a thing that I have brought you forth and that I've raised you up to, the, to speak to the tribes of Jacob. Mm. 
In other words, it's too insignificant just that you should go to the Jewish people. Too little a thing. I will also make you a light to the nations or Hagoyim, to the Gentiles, to all of the peoples. And then the final phrase, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6, my salvation in Hebrew, Yeshuati. Yeshua oh, wow. is the name of Jesus. So yes. here we have Jesus' name being used in a prophecy concerning the Messiah who's to come, the light of the world. He's going to be my Jesus to the nations. And that's why it's so significant when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He oh, who follows wow. me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Isn't that amazing? That amazing. He is the light. He is the shamash. He's the servant that Isaiah predicted would come. And so every year as my people, the Jewish people light this menorah, my prayers, may they understand who that shamash really is. Amen. Amen. Wow, that is powerful. Uh, I don't think I'd ever recognize that the name Yeshua is there in that passage when you were uh, sharing that with us. I, I couldn't help but think about the angel announcing to Joseph and Mary that that this child, when he was telling Joseph to take Mary to be his wife, that the child in her womb was from God the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and you shall name him Jesus and how that tied back to that passage of Isaiah. Exactly. Isn't wow. Cool? Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So I can, I see now why you can make such a statement that without Hanukkah, we wouldn't have Christmas. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, Chris, you mentioned another word that I think is very important for us to understand in this regard, and that is God's preserving power, preservation. Mm -hmm. That's very much also on the minds of uh, the Jewish people at Hanukkah, because of course, God preserved us from the intention of Antiochus to destroy us, just right. as he's done throughout history, Haman, Herod, Hitler, uh, Hamas, today, you know, all of these satanically inspired people and movements trying to wipe out the Jewish people because they're enemies of God, that, and they want to end God's promises to the Jewish people. They want to undermine his ability to keep those promises. And of course, they never can. So God has yeah. preserved his people throughout all of this time. And yeah. Jesus has that on his mind when he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. I know my sheep know me. They hear my voice. They follow me. Mm -hmm. I give them eternal life and no one can snatch them out of my hand. The father is greater than all and no one can snatch right. them out of the father's hand. So Jesus is talking about God's preserving power. And this is the same power that God promised to preserve the Jewish people. No, we were re we were referencing Isaiah 49 and verse six. But later on in that same chapter, Isaiah asks a question. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child mm -hmm. or fail to have compassion on her offspring? I mean, is there a, 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 a connection in human experience greater than that of mother and child? Can a woman forget? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we have seen sometimes she has. There have been women who have uh, abandoned their children. We see it more and more, sadly, these days. And so Isaiah rightly answers the question right there in that text. He says, she may forget. She may. But Israel, I will never forget you. Amen. Your walls are ever before me. Behold, yeah. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Mm -hmm. Now that phrase in and of itself is so remarkable in light of what was going to happen with the Messiah. Because, you know, we don't often see God being given human attributes, his right. hand, his arm. These are important right. phrases in the scriptures they that are. presage the incarnation, God becoming flesh, becoming human, and living in our neighborhood, in our midst. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise because God said to Israel, you're engraved on the palms of my hands. Amen. And that was a presage 
of the fact that Jesus himself in the nail scarred hands of the Messiah of Israel would preserve to the uttermost all those who trust in him. So when Jesus is my sheep, he's not talking about all Jewish people. He's talking about whoever, Jew or Gentile, hears his voice. And that same preserving power that God promises to apply to his people in the Old Testament is now applied to all those who trust in Israel's Messiah, Jesus. That preserving power. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, the, the eternal security of the believer. That is a passage that is so powerful. And it's not some New Testament document or doctrine that began right. with that verse. It goes all right. the way back and we see God sustaining and preserving his people in order to fulfill his promise in the one who preserves us, enables us to preserve our soul to the uttermost. In the nail-scarred hands Amen. of Messiah, we are safe and secure. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah for that. So as we come to Hanukkah, we come to Christmas, um, this really is a time for families to gather together and celebrate not only light that has come into the darkness, hope in the midst of despair, but it's a time to really get back and to be able to worship our God who promises to keep his word. He, he perseveres. He keeps his word. And when you're in his hand, you are in his care. And uh, we like to say it like this here at Connection Point. There's not enough bleach in hell to get your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life when it's signed in the blood of Christ. Amen. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but it's a time of celebrating the, the perseverance of our God. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, sometime in the future we can sit down and do another podcast because I, I believe our conversation could get really interesting if we just even looking over the history of how often Satan has tried to either completely annihilate the Jewish people or even simply uh, get the Jewish people polluted, if you will, from the bloodlines leading up to Christ. I know that's a whole other conversation, but perhaps someday you and I can gather back together have another conversation on that incredible persevering hand of God, the perseverance of God leading up to. But I love how you have enlightened us today on how even at Christmas, we, we should go to a place of worship um, and, and security and hope and safety in our heart if we have faith in the Lord Jesus. He really is the Messiah uh, the, the son of God who redeems us and he never lets go. I love that. Thank you for sharing all that with us. My privilege, Chris. Thank you. Now, uh, I know as the, the Brickner family celebrating Hanukkah and, uh, and, and going into Christmas, and I am a little jealous since I'm, uh, I don't come from Jewish descent because I, I recently heard uh, Aaron Abramson, who was with us sharing the the message of Hanukkah with our congregation. And he did a wonderful job and so enjoyed being with Aaron. And, and he kind of made all of us non-Jewish people jealous. And, and I know scripture forbids us to covet, but he bragged on the fact that um, celebrating both Hanukkah and Christmas, you get, you get more gifts <laughs> because even in Hanukkah, you, you give gifts. Is that correct? Well, we do. And, uh, you know, there's different <laughs> traditions. We'll give uh, some give a gift every night and some uh, give a gift on the first night and the last night. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, you get gifts. Uh, we get the best of both worlds. Chris. Yes, you do. I do believe that, you know, yeah. but uh, there's no reason why folks there can't celebrate Hanukkah next year when it comes around. I mean, after all, now that you know about what it celebrates, yeah. there's every reason for a believer in Jesus to celebrate Hanukkah as well. I believe we need to add that to our traditions. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you've got a Jew that's living in your heart, you know, <laughs> Jesus, the Messiah, then you've got every opportunity to, uh, to embrace that heritage as well. Amen. Scripture teaches that we get adopted into the family, correct? That's right. You're, right, you're, so. you're a wild olive branch that's been grafted <laughs> in. <laughs> hey, 
my wife would amen you there on that wild olive branch getting drafted <laughs> in. So don't be asking her any questions. So All right. We'll leave Lisa uh, out of this for now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, share with us a little bit, though. I, I, I do want, all jokes aside, I do want to follow this thread just a moment because um, understanding more of the Jewish heritage of our Messiah and uh, the power of such as the message of Hanukkah, when you think about the traditions that you do share because of understanding your heritage the way you do for those of us, especially the non-Jews, but we are grafted in. We do love Jesus. Uh, share with us just your thoughts on what are some traditions that maybe we could incorporate in our holiday season uh, to enrich our own worship of the Messiah uh, from the heritage? Sure. Well, you know, like we were talking about in John chapter 10, there's such a richness of the background. You know, when Jesus said to the Jewish leadership, I and the father are one, mm -hmm. he wasn't creating some sort of a new uh, idea there. Uh, right. there. There's been this promise of God himself coming in the flesh. And, and uh, that's the promise of Emmanuel, right? That God is with us. And uh, when he, uh, made that statement. He was referring back to the promise of Emmanuel from Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14. The Jewish people at that time were again under Syrian domination. They were afraid. The Syrians were coming. They were going to destroy the Jewish people. And Isaiah, the prophet says, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. Uh, which means God with us. And for them, at that point, that was a sign that God was going to fight on their side. Hmm. And so ultimately in Matthew, Matthew says all this, the birth of Jesus, was to fulfill that which was spoken of by the prophet, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we're not just celebrating some Christian celebration. We're celebrating the fulfillment of the messianic hope that was predicted 700 years before by yeah. Isaiah the prophet. So my uh, hope is that as Christians are gathering to celebrate Christmas, that they'll remember these prophecies and realize that it's not just that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but that he came in fulfillment of thousands of years mm. of promise concerning mm. the Messiah. And when Christians do, that becomes a testament to the Jewish people. You know, so many of my Jewish people hear Christians singing Christmas carols, and are, it kind of creates a, a question mark. You know, what does it mean? Born is the king of Israel. What are you talking about, the king of Israel? You know, what does that have to do with Christianity? Well, if you understand the prophecies, you can share with Jewish people that come across your path. Actually, when Jesus came, he was just fulfilling the promise made to your people concerning the Messiah. Yes. Isaiah 714 is one of the ones that's most prominent. And so, uh, yeah, familiarize yourself with the over 300 prophecies concerning mm. the coming of the Messiah. Mm. And the Old Testament that Jesus himself literally, literally fulfilled. And then you'll recognize that the hope that we share is not merely a New Testament hope. It's a yeah. hope for all the ages. Yes. God has kept his promise to Israel. And because he has kept his promise to Israel, you can be sure he's going to keep his mm. promise to mm. you. Mm. I think that's powerful. So powerful. Thank you for sharing that, David. Because uh, for non-Jewish Christians, often... Uh, go to the Old Testament and read the New Old Testament and, and, and gather great truths from it. But in the back of your mind, you think that's that was more to the Jewish people. But what you're saying is we have that opportunity to go back, relook at all those prophecies. And though, yes, the Old Testament is written specifically to the Jewish people, the principles, the truths of what the Messiah came to do now is also beautiful and beneficial for our lives as well as we come into the family of God through faith in our Lord. 
Right. Absolutely. You know, and, and yeah. that's what God intended from the very beginning when he said to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth will be yeah. blessed. We that's need right. to recognize that God chose the Jewish people, not because they were worthy of it, because we were never worthy of it. Abram was an idol worshiper. His yeah. character lacked a lot of, you know, what we would hope to see in a man of God. You know, right. willing to lie about his wife and let her suffer the consequences. <laughs> All of the things that you look at his life, they, he, he didn't have any claim on God's righteousness. And you'd be absolutely right. God chose him not because of how great Abraham was, but because of how great God is. Amen. And that same principle applies to, to us today. But the point is that God chose Abraham not for the sake of him or his physical descendants, but for all the nations of the earth. Here was a promise Amen. that was so great. It couldn't be contained by one man or by one nation, but bubbles up and flows over to all peoples. God chose the Jewish people because he loved everybody there at Connection Point and Amen. wanted to see them saved. And, yeah. and his love for all peoples is why he chose the Jewish people. So when you understand that, you understand that you're part of a, of a, a train, uh, a, a beautiful mosaic, if you will, a picture of God's love for all people. Amen. Powerful. Beautiful. We praise the Lord together for Amen. what God has done. It is marvelous to behold. Amen. And thank you for sharing that with us. Now, David, uh, I thank you so much for taking this time. Before we wrap up, I, wa I want to ask you a question. It may seem a little off, uh, may catch you off guard just a little bit. Because I've asked you several questions and you've shared wonderfully with us about Hanukkah and Christmas and and together we're glorifying God who kept his word, even as you just now showed, all the way back to Abraham and how the whole world today is truly blessed when we come to know the Messiah, the promised one wow. uh, that we read about all the way back in the book of Genesis. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, here's my final question for you. Okay. What question do you wish someone would ask David Brickner? What would be a question that you would want someone to ask you that you could share with us today? Well, the one that I've gotten a lot from people is, uh, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> mm -hmm. It doesn't always work that way. Let me tell you a story to answer your question. Because uh, sometimes God has to put the question that's not there. Um, I was mm. handing out gospel tracts in front of Macy's department store uh, in New York City. And it was a beautiful sunny day. And, uh, you know, you just want people to stop and talk to you. You know, mm -hmm. it's okay to hand out tracts. But really the conversations where you make the connection with people, that's really what matters the most. And so as I stood there, I was approached by a woman, well-dressed woman in her late 60s, and she was angry. Hmm. She began to yell at me and say, you should be ashamed of yourself. How can you do this? Do you know what you're doing? Does your mother know you're doing this? <laughs> and then she spat out words that cut like a knife. She said, you're yeah. trying to complete the work that Hitler began. Oh. And she rolled up the sleeve of her dress to show me numbers on her arm. Wow. You see, Ruth was a survivor of Auschwitz, of the Holocaust. Mm. I understood mm. her anger, and there was little I could say to her that day. Mm. So then you'll understand my surprise when several weeks later, during a Friday evening service at our Jews for Jesus office in New York, while I was giving the message, who should come through the back door but Ruth? And oh, I wow. recognized her right away, but I couldn't quite place where we had met. So uh, after the service, I approached her, and she reminded me where we had met. <laughs> So I said, all right, Ruth, so, so what are you doing here tonight? And she said, I have an open mind. And, you know, she did. And she kept coming back every uh, week. Uh, and what a privilege it was for me one Friday night to pray with Ruth to receive Jesus as her Messiah. Oh, praise Here's the Lord. My question, how can something like that happen? Hmm? Hmm. How is it that somebody who is so bitter and angry and closed and not asking any questions can open up their heart to receive faith, grace through faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I'll tell you the answer to that question. It's because the same power that raised up Jesus from the grave is active and at work in the world today. And people may not be asking questions, but there's no one person, 
Jew or Gentile, Holocaust survivor or someone's born into the Baptist church, <laughs> uh, the, the, the only way they get saved is the miracle of God. Amen. No one comes to the Father unless the Father draw him. No mm -hmm. one gets saved uh, by asking the right questions, only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I am sure, Chris, that there's a bunch of people listening right now that have people <laughs> in their lives, family mm -hmm. members, uh, maybe a loved one who's sharing their home, uh, a husband, a wife, children, grandparents, and they say, you know what? They'll never get saved. Mm. Never say never, my friend, because the power that raised up Jesus from the grave is able to transform the heart of somebody like a Ruth. It can do it in the heart of a person in your life. So at this season, believe with all your heart that no matter whether a person's asking the right question or not, God will take from the power of prayer through the anointing of the Holy yeah. Spirit just what's needed for them to get saved. Let's pray yeah. together for the salvation of our people. What a great time of year, Christmas, for people to come to Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, David, would you do that for us right now? Because I just, uh, I, I truly believe there are folks watching right now. Some are believers and they just need that prayer of encouragement to not stop believing for a family member, a friend, a loved one that they're waiting to come to faith. Yeah. And I believe there are some right now watching that the Holy Spirit of God is turning that light on, Absolutely. that light of faith, that light of hope. And would you help guide them right yes. now yes. to the Lord Jesus, our Messiah? Uh, let's pray together. And if you're here and listening um, and you don't know uh, for sure that you're going to have your sins forgiven, that you're going to heaven, you can you can know for sure right now by yeah. praying with me this simple prayer. Dear God, I know that I've sinned against you and I want to turn away from my sin and turn toward you. I believe that you sent Jesus to be my Messiah, my Savior. With this prayer, I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Make me your child. And I will follow you with your strength from this day forward. And friend, if you've prayed that prayer, God has heard you. And he has answered you. And he has forgiven you all of your sin, past, present, and future. And you're his. So now you need to begin to walk with him and find out what it means to live for him and have him make your life all the fullness of what he intends. And you don't leave uh, from this place where you've set this, set this prayer before getting in touch with someone here at the church, with Pastor Chris or someone else, so we can help you to walk with the Lord. And, and Father, we just thank you that your spirit is working in the hearts of people right now, even within the sound of my voice, Lord, that there are people who are longing for a touch from you, a time of renewal, Lord. We are living in dark times and our hearts are burdened with so many things, Lord, but we want to unburden ourselves by putting our faith and trust in you, saving God, the one who sent this, this Messiah to be our Savior. Lord, we just pray that you would anoint and refresh and your, your church, your body. And uh, Lord, we, we are thinking of family members. We're thinking of loved ones, uh, friends and neighbors that don't know Christ. And what a great time of, of the year for them to turn their hearts toward you, Lord, as, as so many of your people around the world are celebrating the birth of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would really open their hearts and un unstop their ears and, and give them uh, a willingness to turn their lives over to you, Lord. And, and, and we all who know you, Lord, want to offer ourselves up as tools in your hands, Lord. We want to be able, sometimes we're fearful, we're afraid of being rejected, Lord, so we don't say anything, but give us the words to say. Help us to have the courage to speak even at this time and point to the Messiah, this one who was born in Bethlehem, who is now seated on the throne in glory and soon coming to a, this broken world to rescue us. Lord, may you rescue people even now, even in this hour, even in this coming celebration of Christmas. Lord, may we see souls saved. May your glory be established and use us, Lord, to accomplish your purposes. We pray all these things in the matchless name of Yeshua HaMashiach. 
Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Oh, man. Oh, man. Praise the Lord. Listen, if you just pray that prayer with David and you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he has now grafted you into his hand. Your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we want to encourage you. If you'll follow the, the links, go into the comment section, or you can go to yourcpc.church, and you can contact us there through email uh, or social media. Send us a direct message. Tell us that tonight you prayed to receive Jesus Christ. We have some resources we would love to send your way. We would love to pray for you and encourage you any way we can. And if you're in the Southeast Missouri area, Come join us on our campus. We would love to uh, congratulate you, welcome you into the family of God, pray with you, and put those resources in your hand. And I know that, uh, David, you guys have some wonderful material out there and information that uh, you can share with those who maybe just prayed to receive Christ or believers that want to know more about Jews for Jesus. So, David, if you would, share with uh, our uh, those watching how can they get uh, in touch with you, more information about Jews for Jesus. Yes, just please go to our website, uh, Jews for Jesus. That's F O R, Jews for Jesus dot O R G. And uh, you'll find uh, lots of resources uh, that are there on uh, how to follow the Lord, uh, the fulfillment of prophecy, all kinds of things. But what you're going to yeah. find when you go to our website is you're going to be greeted by somebody almost immediately who will say, hi, how can I help you? And you're going to get to a live person who will be able to chat with you right there on our website and answer any of your questions and provide you with more resources and help. So we have that live option on our website. So go to JewsForJesus.org and we'll be there to help you. Amen. Amen. Well, David, thank you so much for taking time to join us on The Pursuit. It has been a great honor. And uh, you have enriched our hearts with the word of God. And, uh, you know, Christmas will never uh, feel the same now that we have been enriched to look back into the beauty of our heritage with Hanukkah and leading into Christmas and then seeing the, the hand of our God at work uh, throughout history. Thank you for sharing with us tonight. Thank you, Chris. And Shalom. Shalom to you. And for those of you who don't know it, we have already scheduled David to come join us in 2023 at Connection Point Church, as long as everything continues on and the Lord doesn't come back between now and then. You can stay up with us on our website at yourcpc.church and look at our scheduled events in 2023. And hopefully, God will and everything works out together. We'll be together. You're actually going to come and share with us on uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And I am so excited about that. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And thank you so much for having this time with us, David. Merry Christmas. Shalom. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.